Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, recording. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> like, how do I enter that? Should we cheers? I feel like you guys yeah, haven't started have chest, drinking and I'm no. halfway through this glass. Oh, yeah. Cheers. 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 Uh, Welcome. Mm. Yes. So we're here with our third co-host for the week, not Shiva this time. Mm-hmm. It is Emma Louise Boynton. Um, we actually don't do intros really because... I We're really an air of mystery. <laughs> let, the, <laughs> let the girls you hear and figure it out as they go along. <laughs> let the girls do a Google. No, yeah. we're just really bad at doing intros, I find. I always think it's quite weird. I... I kind of veer between doing intros on live events and not because I always think it's so weird when you're sat in front of someone you're just like telling them all the things they've done in their life and you're so conscious like if I get one thing wrong like yes. I'm repeating your biography to you and I always find it quite awkward so yeah I totally get that well so we're gonna maybe okay. I mean this is our first in-person interview in so long so we're so glad you've yeah. actually like made the journey to my house AWD the AWD headquarters <laughs> Anything to get off Zoom, yeah. yes. the joy of real life. My problem is like I will not be able to shut up because I'm so excited to be sitting with real people. Oh, we on love podcast, that. So I agree. I love in person interviews so much more. You actually become friends with the person, mm. whereas on Zoom it just feels so. Um, I don't know, just a bit stale. But no yeah. one wants, no one it's can be bothered time anymore. Lag as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, and the time you try lag. to talk, and then someone's like, uh, uh, and you're like, uh, and, and then, then the internet gets fuzzy, and suddenly you're talking to like a purple blur, and you have to pretend like, because I'm never sure it's my internet or there, so I have to carry on be like, mm, really interesting point, and they're just like this like Mr. Blocky, <laughs> and I'm like, do I say something now or do I wait? Yeah. Like, what do I do? So no, I think, and it's true. I'm a real follow up, by the way. So we are going to be friends after yeah, this. Totally. I'm sliding into the DMs. Well, yeah. I was an East London girl. And until very recently so any excuse to get back that way yes great i'd never leave it's actually terrible yeah. any excuse to, to make me leave this is why actually today was great because i often honestly don't leave like islington shoreditch bethnal green and i feel like yeah good to good to see the rest of the world yeah we'll take you around golden road excellent. our favorite road excellent i know i wish we had time it's good we can set up a second yeah that's sorry date that's, that's date that's, yeah that's date night number the two it's just, just like very looking useful. at their clock yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what's your calendar like in the next few weeks um okay so yes you're a woman of many talents you have I mean, I'm not going to list it all because you can list it, but you have her hustle, you've got the pod. Can you tell us a bit about what you do? Yes, of course. Um, So my background is in journalism, similar to you two, although I didn't do, in fashion, I was actually in news and current affairs uh, in politics. So I used to work for Sky News, BBC as producer, and then worked for Tina Brown in New York, and then came back to London in like 2017, after a couple of years in New York, inspired by Women in the World, which is her, Tina Brown's live event uh, business, which is all about telling um well exploring kind of most kind of global pressing issues but through the female lens and was just loved how she 
like this kind of empire she'd built and it was so inspired by it. So I came back to London and started setting up my own companies. And I say companies because I did firstly set up a political issues platform, which was a very noble endeavor with a terrible business plan. I don't know how we <laughs> ever thought we'd make money. And just the, like, I would just very diligently write this like 4,000 word tome every week trying to disentangle US politics for our no readers. Um, one of those things of like, build it and the audience will come and they did not come. Um, but none of us, it was it was so earnest. I yeah. mean, that's also, I mean, like, earnestness like seeped off the fucking page. Um, <laughs> but then set up Her Hustle, which was initially a careers platform alongside that because I just felt whilst sitting writing these terms and being like, what the hell is this gonna be? Um, I was like, where is a good careers advice at? Because I have no idea what I'm doing and I don't know, having always been freelance, I was like, ah, I need better advice. And so my best friend and I set up a careers platform called Her Hustle, which is a live events business where we'd interview amazing women across the board about what their job actually meant, like what their job title really entailed, like really getting behind the headline. Um, And that ended up leaving the earnest business and folks on her hustle and that kind of like snowballed so it became a bigger like live events business then the pandemic hit Mm. and I was like on my high horse like I run a live events business we just in our biggest event pre um for International Women's Day at Soho House I was like on this amazing high I was hosting everything loving it and the pandemic hit and I was like right drawing board um so really had a kind of tumultuous pandemic of like doing lots of digital stuff ended up becoming a founding editor at the stack world which charmaine reed set up which Mm -hmm. is amazing did lots of writing and that's actually where i started writing my sex column about my experience getting sex therapy and got kind of obsessed with the topic area and the column was called conversations with my sex therapist and it just got me really fascinated in like reading and thinking about sex from obviously my personal experience um doing sex therapy but also from a kind of broader more analytical perspective of all the issues around sex that so many people seem to experience and that ended up being another kind of catalytic catalytic moment and I kind of have now like transitioned her hustle into sex talks which is the media platform I run so doing the same thing I run events create podcasts do lots of writing but with a focus now on sex so from politics to careers to sex it's a Love. very obvious trajectory, trajectory. <laughs> exactly you exactly. the perfect place so can you tell us more about seeing a sex therapist yes I can because, my favorite topic <laughs> yeah because I will obviously reading some of your columns it's one of and I loved how you were saying that Whenever you tell someone you're seeing a sex therapist, people start being like, I haven't had an orgasm in five years. Or like start spilling everything to you because everyone secretly thinks that they're doing sex wrong. Yes. But doesn't, I don't think people even know sex therapy exists. I didn't know it existed. No, neither. Neither did I. (laughs) Until I suddenly become like the biggest like evangelist for sex therapy. I had no idea sex therapy was a thing. And like so many people who I've spoken to since writing the column, I thought I was broken. I couldn't orgasm and partner sex since I broke up my um, like long-term ex-boyfriend at university. So it was about seven years of just like bad sex, not being able to orgasm. And I was at dinner party and I was talking to a group of quite new friends actually. So we were really went in deep quickly. <laughs> and I was just saying, yeah, I'm just not a sexual person. I'm not that, I don't really like sex. I'm not very good at it. And I don't orgasm. And one of them turned to me and was like, you know, you can fix this. You know, this is like a really common issue that so many women feel like that. Yeah, so many sexual dysfunction, which I think is actually quite a horrible way of saying it, but affects, I think it's like 53% of women at some point in their lives. Like it's a huge amount Mm. of people and it's mainly it's psychological rather than physiological. It's in your head. You build up this kind of anxiety around sex from after a couple bad experiences. Um, That was in my case anyway. And then it becomes like a self-filling prophecy. So sex becomes like quite bad because you're so nervous like the bad thing's gonna happen or it's not gonna work whatever so i was chatting to this to this new friend (laughs) and she was like i'd seen a sex i she'd seen a sex therapist and she was like this sex therapist changed my life and then another girl at the table i kid you not two of them had seen the same sex therapist this australian sex therapist australia doing us yeah exactly oh doing very proud um and they put me in she was like you just tried out why not and I was like fuck it what do I have to lose like sex can't get any worse um (laughs) so got in touch and then Charmadine being like the amazing mind that she is uh set up stack so she she said you know you should document this and you should write this as a column and I think had she not said that had she not commissioned it as a column and given me a kind of work impetus to continue with sex therapy Mm -hmm. I think I probably would have quit quite quickly because I'm a like instant gratification kind of gal. Like I want to like go to one therapy session and be fixed and cured and orgasm. Same. 
not what happens. But yeah, so I got into sex through through this person and then it was amazing. It's like you go back through your sexual history of like really like unpicking all the essentially like sexual traumas that have really formed how you see and experience sex and your body going back to my eating disorder, which affected how I had sex. And you just like talk through it and it's incredibly cathartic as I know therapy is. But I think it also gives you space to verbalize things like sexual trauma that perhaps you just kind of have previously buried. And so I was assaulted when I was 17, but never really saw it as assault. I was like, oh, it's just, you know, a thing that happened. You know, I was asleep and, you know, someone I was told the next morning that someone had sex with me. Like that's quite a big thing. And I just had never processed it because I didn't, you know, you just kind of, it's also really common like so many friends have had that but so it just kind of gave me the opportunity to like work through things I think had over the years built up this quite like difficult relationship with sex have I pitched sex therapy to you you certainly have (laughs) we're gonna we need to expense it on the after work drinks account yes and Uh record our sessions like Esther Perot and share them yes um, in one of your columns, you talk about how people's relationship to sex is so often what you found like through your sex therapy is so often to do with their relationship to their own bodies mm. and how you can think it's a problem. It's a sex problem, but really it's a you problem with mm. uh, yeah your previous experiences that you've had or the way you view um, your body in itself completely separate to sex as well. Totally. And I think that's, I think that's actually like, my biggest takeaway from sex therapy is that like so much of how you see sex and relate to sex is, yeah, as you say, kind of formed outside of the context of the bedroom. And in the same way that oftentimes any issues around sex, like the sex therapist will often say, if I interview them in panels, if you have an issue with sex with your partner, talk about it outside of the bedroom. Don't like figure it out during sex. Um, but I think, yeah, going back to your point um, there about like your relationship to your body, I wrote about this quite a bit in the column, but I just, I had grew up with really bad anorexia and then bulimia. I used to take those laxatives and I would drink too much. I just like punished my body. I hated my body so much. And even now I find it, I think I'm so obsessively active of like, I go to the gym all the time. I like, I've just been telling you both before, before we came on air <laughs> about my new obsession with mountaineering. I yes. think it's a bit far-fetched me calling me but mountaineering. By the way, I literally climbed a mountain. But um, <laughs> like, his boyfriend's like sliding into yeah. your DMs as we speak. <laughs> I love it. Usually, like, with like I full gear. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, to say. I, was like, I literally had like trainers in a backpack, and I was just like climbing up a mountain by this the beach. Is my career now. Um, <laughs> exactly. I quit everything and just do that. But I mean, I think, and I think part of that like obsession, like I need to be moving all the time, is I still do find it quite difficult to just be in my body because I'm used to thinking it is too fat, and I know I'm not a fat person, and it's just I have really bad body dysmorphia and just grew up with that voice in my head being like you're too big you're taking up too much space just that discomfort in my skin so now Mm. like I'm really like sex therapy was so helpful in in getting over that but I think it made me realize how intensely uncomfortable I had become and I was in my body and again I didn't think that that was something that would be affecting sex at all but it was one of the first things my sex therapist and I really delved into And actually, interestingly, she works on an eating disorder ward. So alongside doing her sex therapy, she works in this ward and she was like the interconnection between, particularly for women, between eating disorders and sexual issues is huge. And, you know, it was a point that she made and I've learned to, you know, really take it on board. How can you be present in sex, which is so intimate, it's so much about your body and accepting bodily pleasure and exploring bodily pleasure, your own and someone else's, if you hate your body and if you can't sit in it and if you're always looking for escape routes. So my escape routes were previously like not eating, throwing up, you know, just waging this war on my body. And I think, you know, as I said, just said, I still find it difficult to be like still because I'm like, no, I need to be moving the body. But what sex therapy allowed me to do was kind of just be a little bit like quieter in my body and just like not feel so much hate. And I think, it was, I genuinely felt, and this sounds really cliche and cringy, but it's true. I felt like I was like putting down weapons. I felt like I'd been at this war with my body for so long. And in talking to this therapist and really like going through, like, yeah, just getting to the like root of that, I felt like I just put down my weaponry and was like, okay, I'm not going to suddenly like adore my body, but I'm not going to hate it so much. And I think that has been so critical in allowing me to be more present, not just in partner sex, which 
definitely has been the case, but particularly with masturbating. Mm. Like when I'm masturbating now, I feel so much more like in my body and I can tell if I'm having quite a like disconnected kind of frazzled week because I don't like the, generally like the orgasm feels very different. And I think again, that was just something like self-pleasure just wasn't something I prioritized because I just didn't respect or like my body. So Mm -hmm. why spend time giving it pleasure? That was a gratuitous thing that I didn't deserve. And I think, final point on this long monologue but (laughs) I think this idea of deserving pleasure is a really interesting one and I think it comes up a lot with the um, event series I run sex talks I think of um, women particularly because kind of that's like the general audience of, of my events kind of expressing in different ways how they feel that they need to like earn the pleasure so whether that's like in the context of like you have to like give someone else all the pleasure first and then you can kind of then it's okay for you to receive it or like I don't know. It's just, I think it's just quite a, perhaps like quite a female trait that we feel like we need to be deserving of something nice when actually like our bodies are just like amazing vessels for great pleasure. And like the clitoris, I'll not, I'll forget the stat, but it has like double the amount of number of nerves that the penis does. It's mm. like made, it's the only part of the human body made purely for pleasure. That is something we're celebrating. Yeah, we're so lucky. We're so lucky. And I loved reading how you said that your sex therapist had told you to keep a pleasure diary about things that had nothing to do with sex to get in touch with pleasure outside of sex, if that makes sense. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, the pleasure journal was one of the first pieces of homework, I say in inverted commas, and I was so bad at keeping up the homework, um, that my sex therapist sent me. And the the purpose of it was to help me to step back into my body that, as I said, I'd been like running away from and battling for, for so many years. And the idea was to write down five things a day that felt that gave me pleasure. So that's like my coffee in the morning, uh, water running down my back when I had a shower. And the idea was to kind of allow myself to feel and notice these points of pleasure. And as I said, having always had this like very um, kind of battle ridden uh, kind of relationship with my body where I was constantly trying to like hurt it and not feel like nice things. It was a really, really important practice that just got me into the habit of allowing myself to feel the pleasure and noticing it. And it's kind of a lot bit like kind of mindfulness really of just being a bit more, yeah, kind of still and present for those moments of pleasure. And it sounds like such a small task, but honestly, I'd actually recommend everyone do it and like just help you feel a little bit more present in your body and then see how it makes you feel when you masturbate later that day mm. <laughs> homework homework exactly yes. so homework pleasure diary for pleasure diary for a week and then masturbate yeah see if you notice the difference i've been doing like uh sessions with a naturopath about bloating and she's making me keep like a gut health diary and i'm like this sounds so much more fun <laughs> add in a pleasure diary to because otherwise i have to be like i ate oats and then i was bloated at 4 but actually you know what even with that it's like what are the foods that make you feel good the pleasure yeah. points and then it's like focusing true. on those so. exactly um this we hadn't written down but i think that what we were talking about before like i think so many women would feel similar i think we've talked about it we talked about it with liz golden a bit but i just think that a lot of the time women like i read that a guy asked you what you wanted during sex and you froze and i feel like even though I'm I feel as though I'm not shy I don't really I wouldn't really know what to say if someone asked me that that yeah, much it's not like or, that you know what it is and you're shy yeah, to ask it's like yeah. you literally have never even thought about it so you have nothing to say yeah and then women obviously out in the outside world we are taught to kind of be quieter and taught to not be mm-hmm. as demanding or whatever and I'm just wondering if you're sex therapist or if you, if you, <laughs> you are what, yeah you're our sex therapist um <laughs> had tips for people to kind of to figure that out or like to yeah. know oh, how to great question yeah. I love this. <laughs> so yes oh my gosh i'll never forget that moment what do you like me um uh isn't it different with everybody like, i had no idea and yeah i think that it just speaks to such like disembodiment does it i'm not spending the time to actually get to mm. know your body and i think that I think that really stems from, I think that we have quite a like heteronormative, um, very male centric cultural script around what sex should look like that puts a lot of primacy on male pleasure. Idea that like sex ends when a man comes. So there's a lot of focus on male pleasure that I think growing up, when I think of all the films I've seen and how they depict sex, it's often again, like 
two people fucking until a man comes and very seldom is the clitoris like you know the star of the show in any way shape or form or even showing or even showing <laughs> exactly all. there's um there's a company or a, a platform started called the clit test which is uh seeking to highlight the need to have more of an emphasis on the on clitoral pleasure and stimulation in sex scenes which i'm like all for the reason i talk about i bring that up is that i think for me personally i think that seems from what i gather from speaking to lots of people seems to be quite a typical um thing is that growing up i i did think of sex as for men and not a kind of I won't think I would have verbalized it as such, but the way I went into sex, it was very much for a man's pleasure. Again, thinking about like what I'd seen in porn, what I'd seen in films, how I'd read about sex. It, the primacy of male pleasure was kind of embedded in my mind. And it's kind of like I was doing it. I don't know about you, but I was doing it as a way to feel validated for myself, exactly. but nothing to do with like my pleasure or sex. It was like yes. them liking me enough totally. to have sex Exactly, and thinking you're like, I remember always being like, I want to be the cool girl that's always up for having sex. Like yeah. that never says I'm too tired or I'm too whatever. <laughs> or yeah, that hurts. Yeah. Or like, yeah. I don't like that. Like yeah. I remember I had sex when like, I remember this one guy when I was like 17, fingering me with, it felt like scissor hand man. Yeah. Honestly, yes. it was like the most painful. All been there. We've all honestly, been it was there. the worst moment and not saying anything. So I was like, just put, and I remember like, just endure it, just endure it, just endure it because you just need to get like the number of times growing up, I felt just get through this. And again, so I think that's because, yeah, this this emphasis on male pleasure as being kind of the, uh, that's what's important in sex. As a result of growing up with these narratives, I think, I never really put that much store by my own pleasure. I mean, as I mentioned before, the eating disorder that had a huge bearing on it. But when it came to sex, I didn't really ever think about my pleasure being important or something to explore. If you don't spend the time getting to know what you like sexually, and that I really think is through self-pleasure and through with partners, we can be like, hey, can we try this? Can we try that? Or maybe porn, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you can see, I think it's about, I guess it's like having the seeking to explore. So just like if you're Mm. trying to find a new food group that you like or food like you know dish that you want to cook you need to try them so you go to different restaurants you cook different foods you try different dishes the same is kind of with sex if you want to explore what feels good and what doesn't you just have to do it whether that's on your own or yeah or with somebody else and I think that so in terms of thinking about kind of how my sex therapist kind of helped kind of coach me through this and I think it's definitely a work in progress because I still will find myself having sex and being like in my head like this doesn't feel great i'm not gonna come and then i don't say anything i'm like you literally <laughs> write about this and you tell other people to communicate yeah. but well as a first book call i think it's a couple of things so first of all as i say it's exploration so through masturbating through as you say like watching porn that you find like seeing what turns you on and what doesn't turn you on and then if you're in like with a partner or if you have someone that you feel comfortable with like being really vocal in the context of sex being like can we try this and then being comfortable enough to say like actually you know what this doesn't feel that good can we try this can we try that can we kind of like play around a little bit and I love that because I think sex is meant to be playful and Esther Perel talks about this a lot like sex is supposed to be fun and playful and joyful and actually when you make it playful and when you make it fun it kind of I think she says like that allows you um kind of this that's when I have a real eroticism occurs because it kind of allows you to feel like safe in that context you have your boundary set but you get to be super exploratory i think i'm totally misquoting her there but like it's an amalgamation of a couple of ideas she's talking about (laughs) um so i think having that get really like setting out to explore what feels good and i think what i've definitely found doing sex therapy is that the more you talk about sex and what you what you think you like how you feel about sex uh the more comfortable you become in that kind of exploration as i've just described because I mean, Kate Moyle, this brilliant sex therapist, talks about this often, that it's almost like a muscle memory that you need to exercise. So you need to really like to get in the habit of talking quite openly and quite honestly about sex. It's again, it's like a muscle, you need to exercise it. So having sex therapy, you have, whether it's weekly or monthly or however often you do it, you have a very set time and space in which you are flexing that muscle and you're getting into the practice of talking openly about things that previously well in my case made me really blush that made me feel quite uncomfortable and I think taking that outside of the therapy room and into the context of those what I felt were conversations with sexual partners of being like actually can you touch my clit in that way that still makes me blush even like saying it Mm. here but I do think that is so critical in like really finding out what you like and a final note on that I do think 
I proselytize, as I say, about the benefits of communication and self-exploration. And honestly, I'm still so shit at both those things. But I do think seeing them as important at least allows you to put to like try a bit more. To- mm. So on that topic, we wanted to talk about sexting, which includes if you would like to repeat a saucy <laughs> little tale, but you wrote about how in the pandemic sexting almost became a way for you to like learn how to communicate those desires yeah. from this like it's a good tool for women especially because you have the yeah. safety of a barrier to actually think well what do I want next what do I want to say and you can do it I've never sexted have you not, have you not? no I'm yeah. such I a fucking baby I like it may, <laughs> I just I can't think I couldn't think of what to say I don't feel I think also I I'm not like the sexy always in relationships they're never like it's never like the sexy thing. It's always more of a jokey. It becomes mm. quite jokey and yeah. like friendly and taking the piss out of each other. Yeah. So me then being like, I want your big cock. Like, <laughs> you need an alter ego. You need yeah. To alter egos for each other. Yeah. That'll be good. But you know, you I've had like, separate or even just things. random guys. I've never sexed anyone. I hadn't prior to the pandemic and then needs must <laughs> at a certain time. <laughs> but I do think I, I similarly to you actually, I'd, I can't imagine in the previous long, I've had one like long-term relationship. I think I would have found it really difficult to switch on mm-hmm. that like sexual, like, hey, you know, I want you to finger me in this way and fuck me in that way. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because you are like, you do have to like step into this other persona. Whereas and when you're like, you, what's for dinner? Yeah, yeah like, exactly. So, you're uh, a separate chat. What time are you, do you mind getting <laughs> yes, some toilet paper on your way yeah. back? Actually, we're, we're, we're out. Like that, it's difficult to like, I guess, shift like gear shift in such a in such a way the the benefit i suppose um one of them of being single which i am now is that the kind of i've had a couple people well like two or three um who i have had like quite just just sexual relationships with which was quite new for me i think Mm -hmm. i always had like you know i I want to say so much more and i thought i like one particular person recently who i was just it was a primarily sexual relationship. And so I got to pretend and perform in a way that was quite fun in the end, didn't end up so well. But in the moment, like I did feel like I was acting out this character and I like started saying all this stuff and it was like really hot and sexy and spicy. And I was like, who is this? <laughs> and again, it's like practicing. I mean, what I was saying before, it's like, it's like muscle memory. You have to like practice it because it does feel really awkward at first. And I was a bit like, oh, I just feel so lame. But then once you get into it, you can't stop. That's the thing. <laughs> you're like, fuck me like this. I'm going to think this here. And you're like, um, but the story I was saying before, I so I did it. So it was the pandemic was the first time that <laughs> yes. I'd ever sexted. Yes. And I, again, I think I was getting used, to, I was getting into the habit through sex therapy of talking more openly about sex. And I think also if you mention to um, someone that you're in sex therapy and obviously I'm like the biggest oversharer. So anything I'm doing, you know about it. Um, <laughs> I mentioned I was in sex therapy to this guy I'd met on a dating app and we, you know, threw it into light convo. We'd only ever um, texted because I was in New York. He was in another city in the UK. And so we hadn't had a chance to meet yet. We were talking, talking for like a month. As you know, pandemic, anyone who's single in the pandemic, I feel like, I hope you relate to this. I hope I wasn't the only one. Had these like weird, intense texting mm-hmm. relationships with people. They kind of became your boyfriend, but you never actually met. Anyway, so we were texting and he was like really like, supposedly like very erotic and sensual and he was like for me communication is key during sex it's really important to talk through sex to really communicate and I was like god this guy is singing my new like sex therapized language and he'd also written an erotic novel in Stop. lockdown Oh, oh my god! So he, oh, he's the first chili. Yeah, the first. <laughs> I had to save something special. Oh my god! He sent me a chapter. It was a chapter. Stop. Was it about you? <laughs> no, sadly not. Did you think it was that. good at the time? Because you were no, I was shocked. <laughs> I was like, that it was like, it was very explicit. <laughs> the new <laughs> women are so forgiving, honestly. Like, oh my god! A man no. would like dump a girl for having like, oh my god, a long god. finger. You were so sure, like a toe, like the middle toe. You know, shout out the middle toe. Fucking hell. He sent me this fucking thing. I was very accepting. I was like, yeah, I think I'm too accepting. But he was, you know, he's, I said to you earlier, like, you get me with poetry and prose. If you're, this is why I end up with like <laughs> texting so many writers who would send me poems and they'd send me like long essays are written and I write texts like essays. So like, I either don't text back for like three months or I send you like an essay. So anyway, so we were, we were chatting and he was, you know, sent me this erotic novel, which was really explicit, like 
He'll never listen to this. Like, it was so badly written. I wanted to edit it. He'll never listen to this. He'll never listen to this. He does. I know. He's our wine. A bottle of wine and get the transcript out and read some segments. Oh my God. My dad wrote a porno tape. I'm hoping. I mean, he said he had like really nice uh, female audience. Let's hope that he's not listening. Um, We have no straight men that listen to this. Excellent. So I can go on. It was so badly written. I was shocked because he's also a writer for TV. So I was like, you should be a good writer. It wasn't. I wanted to edit it. Um, but it was like very graphic scenes of like his throbbing dick and her mouth and he thrusts her <laughs> yeah, head. Of course he did. Thrust. Of course he yeah, fucking was, did. It was all about basically a man getting, getting a blowjob in <laughs> a car. Honestly, like literally like basic fantasy. And then going like <laughs> digging a hole in someone's family home and there being like a dog's what? funeral. It was bonkers. Men are so random, honestly. honestly. Like what's going through their brains? Yeah, honestly. Aww. And nonetheless, I was a fucking sucker for it. And we ended up going on a date which was fine it was actually a fun day and then you know something cropped up from his past and he couldn't talk to me anymore and I was like okay oh um, god so by this point sorry I left out the key bit of information we had been sexting a bit and it was like really erotic and I'd like lie on my bed and obviously hadn't had sex for ages with pandemic and we like yeah he'd say what he's gonna do to me and I was honestly like, be like blushing but also with my housemate he's like my best friend I'd be like I'm gonna say this I'm gonna say he's oh my god he said this okay I'm gonna say yeah you'll finger me like this and you'll do this and we were both kind of laughing and doing it together but it was really fun and I was honestly so turned on I was like I how can I be this wet from a text mm. but oh my god me at age 12 reading Dawson's Creek <laughs> Literally <laughs> on my grandma's couch. I was like, what's oh happening my to my underwear? <laughs> I remember my version of that was I was at a friend's house and her like older brother was watching a movie and I've always tried to find this movie and a girl was a vampire and then she just dropped her dress and her tits dropped out and I thought about it. I was like eight. I thought about it for like five years. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like the horniest thing I've ever seen. I'm sure you could find like vampire porn. Apparently yeah. <laughs> you can find it. Trust okay. me. <laughs> vampire porn. <laughs> yeah but yeah so that was my first foray into into sexting and i was like god this this is amazing like this this new experience like you know it's the universe bringing us together anyway then eventually his wherever had cropped up from his path disappeared back into that past and he came and met me one night at the pub and i was with some friends mutual friends long story short after quite a long night where he was very awkward and weird and just the the honestly too tolerant as you said earlier women too tolerant um he ended up staying over and we slept together and like really early in the morning like not great and i never would like i think it's really not okay to be like that person's bad in bed that because i don't think it's like that i think sex is you know it's a mutual thing you're together and also like one night stands but one night stands exactly terrible however (laughs) <laughs> if you say you're someone that likes to communicate during sex, yes. if you uttering not a novels, single yeah. word. Not Maybe a he meant word. sign language. Maybe he meant I'm actually speaking in my head and you have to read my eyes because the guy didn't say a fucking thing. And there was no emphasis on my, but he said he was super into giving people pleasure. He did not give me any pleasure. And so, it was just, it was like, so funny. It's so funny. Like that for months and then it's just Honestly, brisk, and it was, it was quiet, so brisk. Brisk. It was like that and like not a word was uttered. It was so so like primacy of male pleasure the whole way like obviously I did not come and it was just like not good and then we slept like on opposite sides of the bed I felt like <laughs> a magnet repelling we were magnets repelling one another oh god and next morning he left at like 9am we'd gone to bed like 6 so he literally left in the greatest hurry I've ever seen someone leave my house <laughs> He ran. Scurried out. He scurried out. Like, oh, God, go go wedding shopping for his friend's wedding. I don't know. Anyway, at this point, I was like, please, please, and take your bad energy with you. I need to sage the house. Anyway, he leaves. Less than 12 hours later, my best friend housemate, who had been up, so we'd sit up late, him, his friend, me, my friend. And we, by the way, have been best friends since we were 13. And at one point in the night, he'd been like, you two are so cute. You're like such, like, you're literally like sisters. We are so tight. He was like, it's such a like beautiful relationship. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Less than 12 hours later, he slid into her DMs. So So basically propositioning her being like, uh, hey, like, what are you up to tonight? Like, where are you? Um, Was it me or did we both really uh, fancy each other last night? How insane. I mean, how insane. Totally insane. (laughs) And it's so deluded. And poor, but oh. I felt my, Elspeth, she came home and she was like, yeah. um, 
I, and she was so upset. She had like tears in her eyes. She was like, I don't know how to tell you this. Like he'd added her on Instagram at like 9am. So he'd left the door. What? Added her on Instagram as he left. So this is, and he also, he was like, he tried to excuse it, being like, oh, I was paralytic drunk. I don't remember. I'm like, babes, you obviously had a plan. He left the house, added her on Instagram. This is like a crime. Isn't this? I on 9am, he leaves the house at 903. 903. Adds her on Instagram. You guys go to the police. Exactly. We're like, we had all the evidence. We know what went down this day. Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Actually, needs to be outed on like soft boys. What's that? Leave me soft boy. Yeah. Oh my he God, is the he is the ultimate the king soft the boy. thing is the trail is just quite long it doesn't get summarized in one sweet text yeah. as i would have loved because yeah beam me up soft boy would have taken that easily i mean after that i you know obviously we said it i sent the best text of my life i think just being like you do must not seep your darkness into other people's lives <laughs> no. um but yeah totally and utterly no but your text was you were like we're just sitting at the kitchen table. Oh, my first one was like, which by the way, we're perfect. sitting at the kitchen table laughing yeah. at your delusion. And then I was like, like just basically big capital, like lol. Like yes. you're crazy. But then mm-hmm. the next day I was like, right, I've seen red. I need, I need yeah. to send a cathartic There's more essay. to be said. There's more to be said. <laughs> Especially after it's like, also when someone has fucking, like when you have sex with some, uh, someone, it's just like, that's, you do just feel, you're just like, if it's that sick, hadn't have happened, yeah. you would have felt like way less angry. But yeah. it's that feeling of like actually just being like naked with someone else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even if you don't like them and even if it's a one night stand, it's still just like fuck. It's just fuck so like, basic yeah. matters. I'm yeah. like, like we weren't dating, like do what you, like, you know, if in six months time, you'd, you know, if you really like totally in love with her and wanted to be with her. I mean, the idea that she wanted to like, she was like, he, she described him. I think the next mm-hmm. morning I was on a walk. And I was like, so what did you think? Because um, I think by this point, obviously didn't know, like was a bit grossed out, but was still in my like, you know, happy delusion. And she was like, he, what did she say? She was like, he has like the personality of a sloth. He literally like doesn't add like nothing. To- she was so cut. She's brutal when she wants to be. Mm. So I think the idea that he really thought that was going to happen is just, yeah. Oh my so that God. was my, so I, so I say that nonetheless. And actually with the next person I've been <laughs> recently, <laughs> It's also not panned out that well. So maybe maybe the moral of this story is don't sext if you're single. But it's really fucking fun. And it does get, it does both. I do think in a, you know, me post-pandemic spiritual woo-woo vibes. I do think everyone comes into your life for a reason. People cross paths for a reason. And I do think that both the like these sexting people we've sexed with have been very helpful to me personally in helping me, as we say, like get used to talking in a sexual mm. way without feeling super embarrassed. And I think that's also been really helpful in terms of verbalizing like what I like and getting getting to like, getting used to the sound of it. Cause I think what I always found mortifying and still do is then like insects, you're like, mm, touch my clit. I'm like, oh, I'm so posh and white and like, lame. <laughs> like gross. I'm like, oh, please, please touch <laughs> please, my clit. Or, please, you know, also, I'm like, I quite like a quick rough set. So I remember once sleeping with someone and being like, bite me. And he was like, excuse me? And I was like, Bite me. Um, I'm sorry. I'm trying to be more communicative during sex. <laughs> Please bite me on the vagina. Burst out laughing. I think it was actually the thing that kind of like broke the seal because yeah. at that point he just burst out laughing. He was like, "Sorry, like like a tiger. Like, what do you mean?" And I was like, "I'm sorry. I just like being bitten actually on the shoulder. <laughs> it was so weird. That's awesome. But actually, yeah. it kind of opened up quite a like, funny, nice, like chatty conversational nature to sex, and mm. ended up being great. So I loved it. Was it in? Sex, love, and group. Oh my god! Okay, my favorite documentary. Did you watch that? Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> the one where okay, my favorite documentary. <laughs> by the amazing documentarian. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of her. She's kind of akin to like the David yeah. Attenborough of sex. Exactly. It literally was. There's that one where there's that woman who's helping them all energetically. Yeah. Do you remember? She's like helping them get pushed yeah, without yeah, even yeah. touching them, and then it's her and her husband, and they both. It's like. It's like kind of confronting, but they they both like come on camera in clothes away from each other, just energetically. But they're just the way they're communicating. They've got this like shorthand about where to move, where to think. Can you go there? Can you touch that? Can you? And watching it was just so incredible to me because you're like these are people that have perfected this over 10, 15 yeah. years, and they're almost mm. like um, oh, telepathically so, yeah. speaking. But they they have this 
way that they can communicate to say exactly what they want in the moment and it's just so cool that's like a very evolved iteration so of my evolved. bite me yeah exactly <laughs> that's step one yeah yeah exactly give me, me, give me another decade and I might be able to like telepathically transmit to a sexual partner exactly I'd like to please be bitten yes. on my shoulder as you fuck me I love it it's great <laughs> yeah amazing I've been figuring out that we like stuff like that too recently where I've just been like, Oh, okay. You like stuff you knew, but also with things like having, um, I don't know how much I want to admit on the podcast, but having like things. Our, that, mo- our mother in laws like, Oh no. I was meaning about like sexual assault. Cause I was oh, like sorry. with that, like with things like that having yeah. happened to you in the past, you, you think you like won't be into, it's just, it's a weird thing to like, yeah. figure out in your brain so or just just like even just like strangling a light strangle mm. or like mm. light strangle is great i know but i'm yeah. like it's is it i, I like still feel strangle. i still feel like it's kind of weird to like that so actually this comes up <laughs> often at sex talks and um one previous speaker nadine nor ahmed who is the co-founder of pussy Fat palace they They're gave one of my boyfriend's best friends really mm. oh my gosh the bath salts in the bathrooms from them so it's like two of my love nads. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Honestly, really cute. they are such an incredible human and very valued previous sex talk speaker. But they were very talking hot. about how, oh my gosh. Oh <laughs> my <know>. God. <laughs> Before I'd met them, I was like looking at, when I, but when me, when me and my boyfriend first started dating, I was like doing Instagram stalks. Yeah. And like came across Nadine's profile and I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, he can't be friends with people like this. Like, it was like, like thotty butt shots and like uh, latex. Oh, and I was I like, know. I'm going to die. They are so gorgeous. But they were talking about how powerful kink has been for helping them overcome sexual trauma. And it sounds kind of juxtaposition like it wouldn't make sense if you've had as you say before like if something if you've had an experience that has been violent or um hasn't yeah hasn't been consensual actually nadine was making the point that in the context of kink they were able to explore their sexual fantasies that genuinely things that they did like but in a consensual environment so it's almost like taking the power back and saying i do want to be strangled i do want but I have boundaries and this is, I, I am in the charge here. So they were like very much setting what they wanted. And mm. I think that's a really important thing. Cause I think, as you say, it can be quite, you don't want to like cut yourself off from being able to explore different sexual things because of something bad having happened and think that that, that everything you want thereafter is a result of that one bad experience. But it's almost like creating environments that allow you to explore those things safely in a way that allows you to kind of feel emotionally safe in that moment. Mm, yeah that's so true because yeah I don't know it's like I don't know if it's just this old school it's, it's like a, a feeling I have towards Botox like I'm like is this misog- is this somehow uh, yeah. inherently misogynist even though well, I yeah. want it and they don't yes, they don't want to do it I'm I making them do it, do it. it's younger and gorgeous yeah. yeah and then yeah with the like strangling and being really submissive thing I'm just yeah. like oh my gosh I I think about this all the time but I love being sexually dominated and being strangled and fucked and like everything yeah in real life in day-to-day life like i think i'm like quite obnoxiously domineering character and like have a loud voice and take a little space like i quite like that role reversal within the context of sex i just enjoy that i kind of and but and if you know if someone does something i don't like i'm very quick to be don't like that move nope no Mm. i'm very like don't now post-sex therapy like don't go through anything i don't like but I think it's nice. It's that role reversal is like quite exciting. It feels quite empowering. And I think as long as it's in the context in which you do feel like it's a choice. And I think that's a big difference for me is that I think before with my relationship sex being quite a, when it was quite problematic, when I was submissive, I was genuinely just being submissive because I just felt that sex was on someone else's terms. And I don't think it felt like, it didn't feel like empowering. It just like, it was that. And it wasn't always bad, but it just, sex was something that was dictated by whoever I was sleeping with. Whereas now I feel like it's a choice. Like I want that. I want you to pin me down and strangle me. <laughs> like, I like that. Yeah. Also, I think when you are a domineering personality, like myself, um, it can be kind of easy to dominate in your relationships as well. And I found in the past that my exes would end up just kind of, for their sanity, like just letting me get my way a lot. And I would be the one that would make most of the decisions. And I, because I'm bossy and cause I'm grumpy and whatever, 
I would just be the the dominant personality and then yeah so as you say it is like really nice when then in the bedroom like basically because then that would feed over into the bedroom kind of thing yeah where they were just kind of a bit quieter or whatever yeah and then yeah more recently it's been like an opposite thing where I've just been realizing that like oh I want a completely different thing yeah but because I'm so bossy it's it's like hard to for other people to even stand up to that or something yeah you're like no don't tie me up to it be like that do it this way yeah. <laughs> sorry you've done a not wrong <laughs> do that please and try that again hard? Um, yeah no it's so interesting yeah Oh my god, what was I about to say? Have you seen that new movie that's come out called uh whatever it's called? Thank Leo you, Grand. Leo Grand. Yes. I have not. I am so excited to see. It. I've just been away um for my birthday, so I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But I um listened to Emma Thompson's amazing interview with Emma Barnett on Women's Hour, mm. and I love how she talked about the. Oh, I just love how she. I mean, it was a brilliant interview, so everyone should listen to it. But I loved how she talked about the exploring the breadth of female pleasure at an older age, mm. obviously, which she does through the character. And if anyone that doesn't know the plot, it's obviously it's a, I think it's a woman in her 60s or so yeah. later, perhaps, who um, has had a divorce or breakup and then gets a sex uh, sex worker. She'd like never had an She's orgasm. never had an orgasm, so yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then ends up getting the sex worker to be exploratory. I mean, talk about practicing what you like and what you want. Great way of doing it. So practice it with this, with this uh, sex worker. But that, how amazing that that film has been made. I'm desperately trying to get an interview with everyone on that film. So if oh, anyone knows. Love yeah. um, She's yeah. so fabulous. And I love the way she talks about body hair. So on this interview, she was like, it's so crazy to me. She's like, I don't shave my armpits, but I do shave my legs. And I don't I'm understand sorry. why. And, mm. you know, you just said before, it's like that internalized misogyny almost. And it's really hard to, to navigate internalized misogyny because we don't grow up in a political vacuum. We all grow up mm. being influenced by our environment, by our culture. Like, you know, I think it is ridiculous that women are kind of socially conditioned to shave off all their body hair. Yet, <laughs> here I am. Same. shave. Well, actually, no, my legs are so hairy right now. Recently, they got like, so I feel like it had been like a month. And I, I would like, am the opposite where I still shave under my armpits which so many women don't like a lot of my friends here don't at all yeah and but my legs i don't care when they're hairy i'm like the opposite i like quite mm. like it when my legs are hairy mm. really yeah. my legs so i'm like honestly but, i grow knives rather than hair but i guess like, i am like <laughs> not that hairy i think Anyway, <laughs> I also feel the same. Whenever, whenever I get a wax, and I'm like, lying. I mean, I love my waxist. Her name is Lee, and she's bonkers and she's fabulous. But when I'm lying, like legs akimbo, and I'm like, I don't have a very high pain threshold. I think because yeah. I scream it's that horrible. salon down. I'm like, ah, there is nothing worse. I remember so once bad. getting a Brazilian after a stretch of shaving in between. Oh, and as it was happening, I was like, I think this is the most pain I've ever been, ever in. been in. And I was like, why the fuck do I do this? This is so so Crazy. so insane that. The collective yes. pain of every woman in history is Brazilian wax. Oh, could like open a fucking fifth dimension. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so like so open the upside down. Literally. But I also got like, oh, no, no, <laughs> it looks kind of awful. After I always say to my to Elspeth, I'm like, I look like I'm like mold pig. <laughs> yes. It's like you get ingrown hairs, I get yeah. spots. I'm like, I look like I'm diseased. And yeah, this I is felt just like, like I'd been like attacked or something. <laughs> I like walked into Nando's to Zach and he was like, What's wrong? I was like, I don't want to talk talk about it oh my god something just happened to me yeah and, and then i was angry at him and he's like you don't have to wax your vagina i don't care and i was like i don't like, know why yeah me just makes it. you feel nicer yeah which is the fuck but also thing. it makes you feel like you're not looking up when you leave like yeah. nails hair removal thing that this is the fucked up thing about society it makes you feel like you've been lazy or undisciplined yeah. or like yeah something. you just feel yeah. you feel a bit disheveled yeah like if you've washed your hair or something but also like i look at my when i'm naked if i look at myself like i don't feel sexy if i'm not waxed which is terrible because that is purely coming from porn and i don't even watch that much porn so i don't mm. know how that seeped into my mm. just so assiduously but that's like it's not that, that that you know body hair like getting rid of pubic hair only happened in what like, was it like the 80s yeah like, like it's quite you know new phenomenon it's crazy but here I am actually with a really hairy vagina, so I <laughs> <laughs> wax. So. I had laser years ago, and I have one booked in. Yeah, it, you- it was really painful. I got it for free through work. Yeah, it was so fucking painful. Really? But for like five years, I didn't have to think about 
my vagina. And now it's kind of coming back a bit, but I still don't really have to do much. Books and laser. It's really painful. Really? Yeah. Also, I do find it bizarre, the idea that we like zap now. It's not even waxing, we're zapping off. We're like, what even is that? What is the laser? Being a woman is fucked. Anyway, so this movie, I saw it last week. It's amazing. You guys will both love it. But I was thinking about it when I was reading about, I can't remember the phrase used, orgasmic. Situational analgasmic. Yes, because that movie is about a woman who is 60 yes. and has had sex her whole life and has never orgasmed. And even when she has sex with the sex, she basically says, It's not going to happen. I just want to try like different things. Yeah. And that's kind of like the arc of the movie. And I think so many women have not orgasmed and are terrified to admit it, or too ashamed to admit it. Fake orgasms, obviously, mm-hmm. all the time, barely have them and have just told themselves mm-hmm. it's normal. And you kind of had that experience, right? Yeah. And I think it's so interesting because now, you know, mentioned I, I run this event series Sex Talks and they're one of the most like common things come up is people not being able to orgasm and women saying, I think I'm broken. I said this before, like, I think I'm broken. And that was the first thing I said to my sex therapist. I was like, listen, I'm broken. So I can't be fixed. So good luck trying. And it's so sad that that is like that we internalize you know, it's you know, sort of range of things can feed into your relationship with sex. As we've discussed um, in this conversation, but that, that we, that people feel that they're broken as a result of that when it actually just is quite easy to fix. And for me, it was just, I think, as I, I think I mentioned before, like your ability to orgasm is really, really psychological. And if you're not able to be in the moment and to be like, feel connected to your body, it is really like hard to orgasm. And I genuinely felt like I had this like blocker. Like I just knew I wasn't going to come. And, and I said, it was a combination. I kind of knew I wasn't going to come. So then I, I felt like I wasn't going to come. So then I didn't come because I was so like in my in head. head it, yeah. And then I also, again, hadn't really explored my own like pleasure and my kind of sexual self. So I didn't really know what to do to, to, to tell people to how to make me come. And actually the last sex talks or no, one before last, I interviewed Florence Bark, who uh, runs Come Curious, which is a great um, platform. And she had a line which is stuck. It's like branded to the front of my brain. And she said, her therapist had said to her, your pleasure is your responsibility. And I think it's a really important thing to remember because I think it is easy. And I have done this sometimes in my writing of being like, you know, no one asked me what I wanted. You know, we live in a patriarchal society in which we put primacy on male pleasure, blah, 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 blah. Those things are true. However, your pleasure is your responsibility. When you're having sex with someone, you need to be able to articulate to them how this, like, this is how I feel pleasure. This is what I like. Um, I wrote this the other day. Sadly, we don't come with a little label or a manual of how to fuck me and make mm. me come, which I kind of wish I could actually make a manual and then yes, hand you out. should make a manual. Make a manual and then <laughs> hand it to prospective lovers and be like, listen, before we go read to bed, up. read up <laughs> and come back to me. Make things much simpler. They wouldn't but read it. They wouldn't fucking read it. <laughs> I'd be like, like, here's how, I mean, I definitely make it to my bed, let's be real. But we don't come with a manual. We don't come with, and you have, every body is different. And, you know, every sexual interaction is different. And what you like one day is going to be very different from what you like the next day. So I think it is so critical to communicate to a sexual partner in that moment, on that day, what you like, what you want right there and then, what feels good and what doesn't. Um, And that's the only way I think you're going to be able to orgasm. Nice. That's also why I think so many women don't like men going down on them is because they can't get out of their own heads yeah. to like I have focus thought on the myself pleasure. out of an orgasm oh, so many same. times where I've been like, don't lose it, don't lose it, don't lose it. Oh my god, you're thinking about it, you're thinking about it, you're thinking yeah. about it thing. Relax, relax, relax. <laughs> and I'm like, it's taking too long, it's taking too long, they're getting it's, tired, it's taking oh, too yes. long, I feel bad. It's, it's it is. Yeah. And then I'm like, fake it, and I'm like, don't fake it, don't you're a feminist, don't fake it. Oh my god, I hate myself. For the love of God. How many times have you been given head and you don't you just fucking I've had like my mouth can't like move at the end of it, but you just do it because like you know you want to give someone else pleasure and like Mm -hmm. you know give a blowjob and you're like you're in it for Mm -hmm. the long run. run, Until they orgasm. I had some of the day go down me for the first time in we've been sleeping together for almost a year. That's illegal for the first time. No, sorry, it wasn't the first time, but it was like very, very, there haven't been very many occasions. And it was the first like time we like properly like went for it. And honestly, after like a few minutes, like, you know, it takes you a bit of time mm. to like, as you say, to get out of your head, to mm. relax. And there's so much, so many things, you know, you get worried, like 
do I have hair down there? Mm-hmm. Does it look nice? Does it smell nice? All these worries and anxieties that are so like, you know, inculcated from again, like broader kind of social pressures and expectations. That they have never thought about in their lives. They have never <laughs> thought about. Oh my gosh, every ex-boyfriend I had has like put his like dick on the table, like naked all the time, like <laughs> waving it holding, around. Holding it all the time. Holding it. Fucking filthy hair. Kind of trophy. It's literally like if you won an award, you'd be like, "Listen, like that's how men like I think treat their penises because in society we do that's yeah. how we treat penises." Whereas like the wonderful clitoris does not get that same level of like you know praise and you know agitation. But he then after like a minute or two minutes, so just as I'd kind of begun to relax, if that, so he had lockjaw. No. Oh my god. No. Lockjaw. I was no. like, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a lockjaw. Yes, oh my god. So yeah, it takes and that's and it's so annoying. Cause I was like, in that moment, I was like, I am done sex therapy, so I'm not gonna internalize this. But fuck you, because that is just the kind of thing that reinforces the shame and embarrassment yeah. around like, oh, it's been too long, they feel uncomfortable. Like as if you had lockjaw. <laughs> that's like that's the biggest lie I've ever heard. And so it I insinuates think, that like it's what's too implicit long. in that is it's taken longer taken than other long. times. And exactly. then yeah, and if you were younger, you would totally exactly. internalize that and that could affect it. Totally. Literally and the rest of your life. It had honestly been about a minute. Two minutes, <laughs> maybe, maybe two minutes. I was like, no one can't well sometimes you do you come on your own in like a minute <laughs> yeah. not with someone else so that's another thing i can't remember that it was probably in sex love and group um <laughs> where someone was like all these women were saying i just don't like sex and then yeah. they would say okay so how do you have sex and they'd be like well he kind of just Does like it. gives me a nudge and then i'm like oh and it's never foreplay it's never and they're like no you just don't like having sex the way a man has sex because men once they're erect hard they're ready to go but you're like you're not ready to go you need to be like whatever yeah what is it who's oh no that was i'm pretty sure that was when i went to that um six uh whatever the thing i went to i went to a sex workshop for two days when i was like trying to figure out what was wrong with me with my last relationship (laughs) um and she was like you need to be kept um like women need to be kept simmering like and and what happens Mm. is you don't there's no because men are just like six or not a lot, it's of, like, the oh, a lot of the time kind of on or off. Yeah, yeah they're, they're not wanting to just like passionately kiss randomly or like tap you on the ass or like mm. keep you feeling sexual so that when you go to have sex you're like so mm. cold that you're just like this is gonna take me so long to feel mm. in a sexual mood that I feel like I just don't like sex. I have mm. so many friends who just think they just don't like sex. That's because so true. That. And in that thing, it was saying, a woman was saying, I really like being like massaged. So they were like, okay, give her like a massage first. Give her like something yeah. that eases her into it. Oh, just, just like touch you're you in, in a, Yeah, you're in like a pleasurable zone and then you feel like you want to as opposed to feeling like it's a chore to tick off your list. Which is why sex turns on so many women when it's at the start of a relationship and when yes. it's getting to know them because we like all of that cheesy, cute stuff of like the touching on mm. the arm and like feeling like your legs are grazing each other and all all of that turns us on. Exactly. And men are like, that's so true. <laughs> My yeah. dick. I'm like, yeah, that's men get turned on by like that candle. It's <laughs> an empty hole. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> I know. It but fell it's off like it's all day. around. As you, you know, we said this before, it's like context, like sex, mm. I think for, you know, I think particularly for women is about like, yeah, as you say, all the things that happen outside of the bedroom. So I know for me, like I need to like, to feel emotionally safe and which then allows me to like, get in, like get out of my head and into the moment. It's the things leading up to actually having sex that are so important. So it's, as you say, like it's holding my hand when we go somewhere and like putting your arm around me. Like, those are things that in the day, they build up my head. I'm like, okay, I feel like really safe with this person. And then when we have sex, I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. I'm like, um, but without those things, like it's, to, and actually I wanted to say, as you said that kind of, you really alluded to like the dutiful nature of sex mm. that some people feel. Mm. And a friend of mine, Billy Quinlan runs a brilliant sex app called Furley. And she does workshops and coaching with women so coaching them through a program to help them overcome sexual trauma or any sexual issues they may have and she said the the most common thing that comes up amongst the women that she works with as their blocker to having more pleasurable sex is feeling that sex is dutiful Mm -hmm. so it's my duty as a wife a partner girlfriend whatever to have sex and that i mean just sit with that for a second 
duty this idea that we Mm. owe somebody Mm. sex that's a really toxic terrible narrative that of course you're not going to enjoy something if you feel you're duty bound to do it to perform and again what does that speak of that speaks the primacy being placed male pleasure sex is something that happens on a man's terms and so a lot of the coaching that she does is really trying to like unwire those more problematic narratives and really allowing people to see okay, if sex wasn't dutiful, like, what would you like? What would make you feel good? And as you said, it's not often, it's not just like, they're just like, fuck me. It's like, you know, we have too narrow a version of like what sex is. There's Dr. Karen Gurney, um, another sex therapist who's utterly brilliant, talks about this, like how we really need to like open up like what we see as sex. Cause this idea that sex is penis and vagina mm-hmm. is so narrow and it's so reductive and excludes so many types of sex. So if you're, uh, you know, lesbian, if you sleep just with women, have you never had sex because mm-hmm. you haven't had something penis and like mm. inside you no of course not that's insane so i think it's really about re-understanding like what sex is and yeah and all the kind of forms it can take i think she describes it as being like a buffet and you need to be able to feel like you can just mm. pick and choose anything <laughs> and you know i love a buffet so same um, me too that, like, I, I eat with my eyes i eat so much of them feel so sick for us today but same. yeah um okay final question yes we've had you um here for ages although i could talk about this forever um so there have been a lot of articles alleging we're in a sex recession yeah. recently um, apparently those between the ages of 18 and 23 are having 14% less casual sex than young adults were 10 years ago. What do you make of this? Like, do you think that's real? Do you think, I don't know, why would we be in a sex recession? Purely anecdotally, I I read the piece, I think you um, flagged a piece by Annie Lord, which was great, which discussed this idea, like the impact that dating apps have had on people's mm. relationship to sex. And it really resonated. And again, this is anecdotal, not like scientific, but I think dating apps have created for single people this idea of like infinite optionality. So you feel like you just have this never ending, uh, like conveyor belt of potential people that you could date. And I think it just makes people really flaky and kind of shit. And I think that that invariably has an impact therefore on like how we have sex. I don't know, it just feels like people are way, yeah, just kind of like flaky, like nothing really like amounts. So Annie Law talks about how kind of loads of um, relationships kind of live and die on in text and it never mm. kind of amounts to anything. You don't even sleep with someone. And that's definitely been my experience as well. Because I think, especially I think during the pandemic when you were so reliant on apps, it became like as your only way of meeting people. And so often that didn't amount to anything. You couldn't actually meet up with someone. And so I think that kind of is like reframed, yeah, our like dating culture a bit and made it quite like, transient and like a bit flaky and crap and in terms of like whether it's like that a sexual recession god it sounds so depressing but i guess i'm definitely having a recession <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean i've definitely experienced that and i was interviewing this brilliant sex educator um scotty unfamous the other day who does a lot of who goes into schools and talks to young people and she said there's a big difference with between millennials and gen z whereby millennials are typically having a bit more sex but um are a bit more kind of are less open. Gen Z are really open about being like pansexual, bisexual, trans, gender fluid, but are, ha- are like way less intimate and are having less sex mm. and like less relationships. They're less like kind of more, I don't say commitment phobic because that sounds judgmental, but aren't, yeah, are kind of having less like intimate relationships. They're probably also, re- they're probably also less like us when we were, oh my God, <laughs> stop. The yeah, the fly is hunting. They're probably less like, we were when we were young like as we were just saying in the early stages of this conversation feeling as though we had to have sex because it was some social added some social value to our teens and we felt like that was something that was expected of us and they're probably maybe there's a sex recession because they're all like we actually don't want to have sex with you guys there's also a lot of a lot of people being uh, going celibate I'm interviewing a lot of people and reading about it, just lots of people being celibate. And I think, yeah, I wonder if it's that, that a kind of reaction to previous like pressures. Like you need to like have your, your I hate the term, but like your body count needs to be yeah. high. That sounds like a pile of people you've shot, but mm. you're, you know, you, what you want to have, there's a kind of, it's a marker of something positive to accept with lots of people. Exactly. Mm. And there's pressure to have had lots of experiences. And perhaps there is this kind of pushback on that and being like, actually, no, I'm like not ready and I don't want to. And I think that's amazing if that is coming from that place, like of people feeling there's greater, there's less shame associated with not having had sex or not having had sex with as many people. But, I mean, 
I'd like to have lots more sex. <laughs> I think yeah. maybe, I think that, yeah. So I think that was kind of very kind of circuitous way of saying that I do think apps primarily. But then you can also argue that now more than ever, we can be more, the apps have also facilitated like lots of like, you can be, you can kind of tailor what you want. So like Field is an example where people can now, if you want a threesome, if you want to try bondage, if you want to try BDSM, it really caters to people who want to explore lots of different types of sex. And that's like never really existed before. Like that was created in 2014 because there was no other app that that specifically kind of catered to threesomes and obviously has blossomed and is like the app that people use if they want to try BDSM for the first time, they want to go to a sex club. And so stuff like that technology has in a way, you know, that's a new opportunity to be, to explore sex and your sexuality in lots of different exciting ways. As I say, it's, I'm like, God, I need to get on the field. Um, <laughs> yes, but yeah, I guess it's a kind of double-edged yeah. sword, isn't it? I have friends going to sex parties in London. Yeah, a, a lot. A friend went to a sex party completely dressed in all of this crazy bondage and had threesome. Really? That's, great. That's the thing. So I think the sex recession, I do think, yes, dating, I think, has become more transient. It's become less committed. It's become ugh, crap. Mm. But actually, from a sex perspective, I feel like it's also become less taboo. Like a sex party, I feel like previously, a couple of years ago, I think I would have been a bit like, whoa, sex party, like, ah. But now I think they're really like I'm crossbreeds yeah. as an example. I'm hearing loads of people, loads of friends who I would never have imagined would go to a sex party. Same. It's a kind of new, yeah, it's just kind of sexual exploration. So I do think maybe people are having statistically are having less sex, but I do think the, the, the opportunities for exploration are bigger and better. The older horny millennials are going yes. to sex parties. Like fucking, <laughs> fuck Gen Z's. We're like, get me to a party. That's funny. I want to investigate that more. I need to get yeah. to the root of that. Me too. I'm going to go to a sex party, actually. Let's all yeah. go to a sex yeah. party for our next meetup. Yeah, that's a great idea. Date <laughs> number two Date takes number place two. at a sex party yes. dressed in nothing. In- we'll bring the mics. <laughs> America. So what's your experience been in sex parties? <laughs> well, I have had sex with three people. Oh, <laughs> investigative journalism. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. Um, okay. Thank you so much. Thank for coming you. On what a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you. This has been so lovely. And as I say, it's such a joy doing this in real life. I feel like we're now back in yeah, the glory days now of IRL podcasting. So oh, thank you for exactly. having me. You do the best. I know we forget that this is when is your next sex talk next sex talk is going to be actually there's one on july 13th which is at soho house um get you both there um on how to overcome sexual shame and then the one on this july 14th at the edition hotel so i do it once a month the edition hotel and that is going to be announced on monday next week and tickets will go live so you should come i feel like you're away maybe but we'll definitely come to like yes i will 100 i'm from september when we get back to school months it will be really kind of picking up again so amazing see there Yay! Thank Brilliant. you. Thank you. And bye to the, to the listeners. Oh yeah. Bye, girl. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.